Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. Episode 25, The Bowery Boys Exposed. Hey, it's The Bowery Boys. Hey. The Bowery Boys is brought to you by Eurocheapo.com. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at Eurocheapo.com. Hello there, and welcome to the Bowery Boys. This is Greg Young. And my name is Tom Myers. Thanks for joining us on our 25th podcast. Uh, we are celebrating. And so we're celebrating by looking talking little, about ourselves. <laughs> a little introspective. Yes, we're we going are. to be talking about the Bowery Boys. Now, the Bowery Boys, some of you may know from Martin Scorsese film, The Gangs of New York, as a gang. Right. Of New York. <laughs> but in fact, it's not just a gang. Others of you may also know them from the, the old films on TV, of the course. black and white Bowery Boys gang. And we're going to tell you a little bit about them. But, and, but uh, So it was a gang. It was a set of movie actors. But it's also a lifestyle. Mm. And we'll explain exactly what we mean in a little bit. However, at the very end of this podcast, Tom and I will be exposing each other. <laughs> I think I think we may have a better way to put that, Greg. Let's see. Um, we will be exposing our stories. A few listeners have kind of wanted to know a little bit about us. There have been requests. So we thought we'd give tiny little bios. Uh, stick around. Has there ever been a better reason to stick around? So, Tom, before we delve a little deeper into the men as that we call the Bowery Boys in mm-hmm. all their different shapes and sizes, we kind of need to go back to the places that they caroused and they lived their lives, namely the Bowery of Yore, the Bowery right. of the early 19th century. As um, our New York historians will point out and mm-hmm. our faithful listeners, we know that the Bowery goes back further than the 19th century, because, of course, Bowery comes from the Dutch word, Boerai, or Boerij, that J <laughs> yes. at the end, I never know what to do with it. The Dutch term for farm uh, that lined the road, which led out of New Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And in fact, our friend, Peg like Peter Stuyvesant, right, put, had his farm uh, up w- around the area in the East Village okay. today. What happened to the Bowery as more people moved into New York? Well, it would, in the late 1700s, it would become New York's most elegant street, actually, mm-hmm. lined with very fancy shops and mansions. It's and hard to believe. It is. <laughs> yeah, now, but. Not much evidence of that today. However, well, let's not get distracted yeah, with today's Bowery. As we move forward, by the middle of the 1800s, the street 
was changing a bit. It was becoming much more popular, full of popular entertainments and beer gardens that were being, you know, set up by the German immigrants who were mm-hmm. arriving. Um, brothels. It, it started to kind of take a nosedive. That would be the setup, okay. right, for what Correct. we're talking about for the, today. For the Bowery. It, it gets us into the middle 1800s. The Bowery is lined with fun, kind of sleazy brothels, boarding houses, and lots of mostly single young guys running around (laughs) getting off work and if they work spending their money as a matter of fact tom those men that were walking around uh the young men with uh sort of middle class working jobs actually were called yes the bowery boys but they're not the gang that we popularly refer to in fact you actually spell it b apostrophe h o y we're, Bahoy. We're, we're gonna we're, for our. I think believe you pronounce it like boy because it's it's from an, the Irish pronunciation because a lot of these men were Irish. But for our intents and purposes, we're gonna say Bahoy just to like separate it right, from to, the other Bowery so, boy. <laughs> right, the original Bowery boys. Yes, then, I mean, not, and with be, apostrophes. Yes, but right, right, but not to be sexist. There were also Bowery girls as well. Gal, Gahals, G apostrophe H A L, Gahals. Really? Yes. Bowie Bahoys and Bowie Gals. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, but let me let me explain. So let me explain who these. But we will be referring to them as Bahoys. Bahoys, because I think just for easier for ease. Okay. And just because that's right, how it we're looks back on the paper. to the Aster thing. <laughs> so anyway, you know, so all these young people are moving into the Bowery neighborhood. They're poor, but they're not destitute they have some spending money and so what happens is it's basically early 19th century street culture it's almost like a parallel of almost hip-hop because Mm. people start talking in their own slang they dress in different fashions they listen to different kinds of music i mean it just happens especially when a large group of like younger creative types sort of like who don't have a lot of money come together they were still the boys from the balak (laughs) <laughs> From the Balak, yes. Their style was very curious because you have to remember we're, we're transitioning from the revolutionary era where people dress in a very simple formal but simple manner. So what the boys the boys are doing at the time are dressing in these like red flannel shirts. They have thick sideburns. Their hair is done up in this like almost like a pompadour and held in like a like a soap like substance almost. Wow. And um the shade back of the head. They're actually nicknamed soap locks. It was actually their name. And they would have a top hat and they would have a cigar. And they were and they very... They sound like dandies. Well, they were very dandies. But you have to remember that they're transitioning from a very dandy period, you know. But they're, they're taking this almost... You can almost look at it like a punk look of, of, of and, dandiness. And we're talking about the Bahoys. Yes, but their look would transition into the Bowery Boys of proper, of proper um, would influence that look. It would still be around as sort of like a, to use the word hip is kind of odd for this time, but it's, you know, it would have been a popular for men of that age to dress up in that if they could afford the clothes. So these Bowery Bahoys with the look yes. that's kind of dandyish, running around the Bowery, spending their money, having a blast. This group was not really violent. This was not what we would call well, a gang. They, no, no, they weren't, they weren't a collected gang. The, ga- the only gangs they would actually have, in fact, is many of them would be members of fire brigades because it wasn't until 1865 that they would have 
the city would have its own fire right. department. So there would be these volunteer fire brigades. And as a matter of fact, the red shirts that they would wear would usually have an insignia or something from the brigade that they were joined in. So this was actually their only form of a gang at this particular time. They called it running with the machine, by the way. And, you know, they would occasionally put out fires. They would occasionally right. perform some feats of bravery. Now, through, throughout today's podcast, we'll be talking about the gangs of New York. Yes, the by great Herbert book, Asbury. By yeah. Herbert Asbury. And I was just reading this last week. And he, of course, goes into great detail about some of these you know, these competitions mm-hmm. to get to the fire first. And these rival gangs would sometimes actually block access to the fire hydrants, preventing people yes. from even putting out the fires. Right. Well, it was, they were all, it was like big shows. As a matter of fact, it would almost be a spectacle to see like all these rival companies. We should mention, by the way, we, we, we are fully aware that Gangs of New York, being one of the classic books about old New York, is part fact, part legend right and but you know and why is that greg <laughs> we're entering into our disclaimer moment for the podcast well you know it's it's difficult when you talk about lower classes mm. past a certain year because you know they're just not well documented like you know newspapers write about the middle class and the upper class books are written about the middle class and the upper class you don't find as much documentation you find it in crime reports mm. you find it you you'll find individual writers like Walt Whitman wrote about the boys in right. the thir- the 40s and 50s but you don't you know it's it's a little difficult to really pin down like accurate facts about these sort of things so what happens is sometimes the legends bleed in with the with the actual stories, but it's awfully fun to read the Gangs of New York. Trust me. But it's, so. yeah, I mean it's a it's a hoot to read. I've never expected, I guess, to get so used to hearing about people getting their eyeballs gouged out. <laughs> you know, back to these brawls that they right. used to have because of. Uh, competing fire brigades finding what did become a pastime of the saloons of the bowery and as a matter of fact they sort of consider the first sporting events of new york city or you know some of the first organized sporting events to be these actual brawls because they would actually take a little bit more of an organized form Mm. and would be set in the evening so they're sort of the early forms of boxing would come from here so the boys became so prevalent this this style this idea that they begin showing up in stories, serialized stories. They also showed up on stage. As a matter of fact, the first play was called A Glance at New York. Uh, This was launched at the Olympic Theater on Howard and Grand Street and Mm -hmm. featured two very popular stereotypes uh, by the name of Mose, who was the boy, and Lizzie, who was the gal. And anyway, they were just larger than life, the manliest man and the Mm. most it's another Bahoy meets Gal story. The uh, the Bahoys actually got enraged at first, and one account actually threatened that they were planning to gut the theater, and the actors were trembling before they came on stage. But once they got on stage, it became a huge hit. The guy who played Moe's, his name was Frank Chanfrau, became a cult icon. It spawned, it spawned sequels. Um, when was this? This was in the 1840s. Oh, wow. Okay. And... Uh, you know, the plays were awful. They were melodramatic, but they were using the slang of the streets and they were using the clothes. And so these really these shows really connected with the Bowery audiences. As a, as a matter of fact, they even had a series of plays about Lil Mo's, 
the baby <laughs> version of Moe's. And so they dressed them up like kids. I mean, very surreal. As Walt Whitman said, so pop, these plays were so popular by the 1840s, the Bahoy had replaced the frontier screamer as the most prominent figure in American humor. On stage, the Bahoy gained superhuman powers. This is what Walt Whitman says. Ugh. On April 19, 1995, a federal building in Oklahoma City was destroyed in a domestic terrorist attack. Just days after the bombing, America discovered the perpetrator was right-wing extremist Timothy McVeigh, whose mindset and values are still very present today. It's an American tragedy, but one I still remember very vividly. But there is so much more to the story than what you might remember. Take a deeper look into this moment of history with the podcast Homegrown OKC, hosted by Jeffrey Tubin and based on his book. The Homegrown OKC podcast is about better understanding the political environment in our country today. In particular, I found fascinating all the original archival footage used in the show, sounds which brought me back to that time, but with a richer understanding of events. These episodes were thrilling to listen to. That's Homegrown OKC. To listen, search for Homegrown OKC in your podcast app. That's Homegrown OKC. So that's a little bit of the the lifestyle of the Bowery Boy from the 1840s. And this leads us to the Bowery Boys, the gang who came along in the 50s and 60s. Mm. And we need to describe what Five Points is because they, in fact, right. do clash with the gangs of Five Points. As we get into the gangs, then we start talking about rivalries in the city. And the biggest rivalry for the Bowery was that area that was just south of the Bowery, which was around Five Points. Now, that Five Points is sort of hard to put on a map today because it doesn't exist anymore. It was so bad that they bulldozed the thing and they built a lot there. But I can tell you it's where five different streets were intersecting. Mm -hmm. It's Worth Street, uh, Baxter Street, which at the time was called Orange Street, Moscow Street, um, the corner of Paradise Square Park, which all of these things formed a five-point intersection. This area really is where most of the action from the Gangs of New York takes place. Mm -hmm. It was formed around the area of the Collect Pond, uh, which Mm -hmm. we have talked about before. It it had been drained by this point around 1820, and boarding houses, it was so polluted, they had to take the thing out. Can you imagine? I mean, Lower Manhattan was getting their water from this polluted pond. So let's drain a polluted pond and build houses. Well, let's let's drain the pond, (laughs) the Collect Pond, fill it in with landfill, build some houses on it, but, you know, they didn't do a very good job with the landfill, and the foundations and the houses started to sink, driving away the middle-class tenants who lived there, and who would come and take their places in these sinking tenements, but would be, of course, the the, the newly arrived, uh, mostly Irish immigrants uh, who were escaping Ireland because of the potato famine mm-hmm. and were setting up shop in the cheapest place that they, they could find. And so they were in these sinking buildings. Oh, sounds very squalid. Yeah, well, it, it was squalid. I mean, it became infamous as this center of vice, you know. Uh, with You can imagine the thugs, prostitutes, the gambling, the booze, the murder. I mean, the, the, the vice and the mm-hmm. stories. There was a brewery there uh, called the Old Brewery, which... Mm-hmm. Ha- 
had been abandoned. It was taken over as well by squatters, or I guess they were paying rent, but there were a thousand people during its heyday living inside this brewery. This was really kind of the bullseye of vice in the area. And it was reported that for 15 years, there was an average of one murder per night in the brewery. In the brewery? Just in the the building. So... In step in the gang system, I don't know, I don't know really how to say it. It's, you know, this product of unemployment, overcrowding, desperation, <laughs> male testosterone, you know, and then having like political, very passionate political and national beliefs on top of it. It's going to formulate into all these gangs with who are keeping their turf, almost, you mm. know, like wild animals almost. And so you have these gangs popping up everywhere. You have them popping up over all over five points, and then in reaction, they formulate up in the Bowery. And that's where our... Which is not far away. No, no, they're not. So, so yeah, the Bowery boys and themselves, you know, sprang up basically in defense of the sort of the encroaching five-point gangs. The fights that they had with them were often political. They would team with other gangs in the Bowery... To, against the five points. So it would almost be like two competing teams sometimes, even mm-hmm. though they were made of little tiny gangs themselves. So the Bowery Boys style, you know, was developed a little bit from the Boys style of old. They would have the, you know, the top hats and the jackets and everything. Um, it's just so weird and funny to see like all these kind of what we would consider fairly well-dressed people to be, you know, doing battle. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've got red shirts, black trousers. They've got <laughs> high-heeled boots. Yes. Vests. I mean, boots. Soap in, I soap in their hair. What's strange, though, is that this wasn't just sort of like on-the-street kind of battles. You know, they often had political aspirations, they almost should really be considered more violent political organizations than they should be actually referred to as mobs. Mm. Um, because, I mean, you know, in 1854, Tammany Hall and Boss Tweed controlled the city's politics, you know, the most corrupt period in New York's life. You know, Tweed got his start as a volunteer fireman right. in the 40s. So it's kind of no surprise that he would you know, then turn to sort of volunteer firemen, i.e. these gangs, to kind of do some of his dirty work and to drive factions to the polls. As a matter of fact, the Bowery Boys were specifically noted for their voting manipulation, whether it be by coercion or, you know, just out-and-out fraud. Mm. Um, And they often fought alongside the police or even with the police (laughs) during during elections, during political situations. So you had these gangs from the Bowery, like the Bowery Boys, fighting alongside the Atlantic Guards and the True Blue Americans against the Five Point Gangs, which are, I think you know some right, of them. Right, the Dead Rabbits, I remember. The Dead Rabbits and uh, the Roach Guards, the Plug Uglies, the Shirt Tails. Right. In 1857 was a sort of legendary battle between the Bowery Boys and the Dead Rabbits. This was actually in the movie, uh, The Gangs of New York. Um, actually, according to uh, Tyler Anbinder, who wrote the book Five Points, which actually came out like six or seven years ago, there was actually never a Dead Rabbits band. Never? Well, the Dead Rabbits also was slang for like really bad people, really bad guys. And so when they would report it to the newspapers, they would say the Dead Rabbits. But in fact, it may... Ah. This is just one so of his theories. So they didn't theories. actually have any sit-down meetings. <laughs> 
Well, like they, they might, they or might have been sat around and like, you know, had like mimeographed uh, agendas, minutes. minutes or anything. No, but that's just his, that's just his theory. Again, with all this stuff, it's, it's difficult to pour through the. I need to bring up a question mm-hmm. that we have been, I don't know, it's been bouncing back and forth here. It seemed to me that the Bowery Boys, the proper gang was anti-Irish and that the gangs around the five points were Irish. Well, the popular notion, that is correct. The popular notion is that they were an anti-Irish group and anti-Catholic. Right. And, uh, and they, they would obviously spar with the Irish groups of the five points. The, the, the reason where it just gets muddy is that there are some sources that sort of downplay the racial element because, I mean, we're talking about gangs that ha- exist for like 20, 30, 40 years. And so their makeup uh, physically and, or, you know, their makeup in terms of like where they come from okay. can alter a little bit. Um, so, and, you know, it's not every bad battle was probably Irish versus anti-Irish. Like we said earlier, a lot of battles could have just been because, hey, you're on my turf. I don't care who you are. So, you so know, it could be simplistic to just assume that it's the Irish versus the anti-Irish. For Martin Scorsese, he simplified it as that. But I well, think, I mean, Asbury seems to do the same thing. Yeah, in right. But then you know, it just it really depends on where you're where you're looking, where you're reading. But there's you know, there's lots of theories about it. So now, if we could jump forward a bit, but actually not that far. How did we? We've got Bowery boys on stage we've got the bowery bahoys running around the bowery (laughs) we have the bowery boys proper the gang Mm -hmm. how did they wind up on screen they wound up on the screen in the 30s the bowery boys actors they're sort of it was a rotating roster of young new york actors they were all from new york city most of them from manhattan and even some of them from the bowery you know they played they're always playing these perpetual like 18-year-old youths, of course, you know, at a certain point, they were like all 40 years old or something and still playing it, but you know how Hollywood is. They debuted in a stage play called Dead End, and it was it played on Broadway. They were all cast for the show on, on Broadway, and it was a huge hit. The the names of the characters were like Milty, Spit, Dippy, Tommy, Angel. Mm. So they decided to spin that off into a movie, and Humphrey Bogart was in that, and Humphrey Bogart took a liking to these guys and brought them with him to to Hollywood. And what year was that? Dead End was in 1937. The Dead End kids, as they were now coined, became were huge with audiences. So they were brought in to make a bigger movie the following year called Angels with Dirty Faces, also starring Humphrey Bogart, but also starring James Cagney. And that's a fantastic movie. Actually, both those movies are terrific totally terrific but then they sort of spun off into their own universe because they were so popular you know they splintered off because you know they you know for various reasons so four of them went one way two went the other way they started calling themselves the little tough guys and then like the east side kids um and these guys were known for their rowdy behavior off camera as well in fact many of them became alcohol alcoholics wow <laughs> but not too different from the original bowery boys so, right so then wait 1946 then they be, kind of became the bowery boys on camera and that was actually the longest iteration of this of this theme of these r- rowdy boys who are uh, going out and committing crime but then ending up saving the day just kind of the you know and they were making full-length films as well as little miniature serials eight, yeah, eight, well actually they made 85 films and they made three complete serials sets okay um this stuff is most of it is awful 
as a matter of fact, I just watched one last week. They were co-starred. It's co-starred Bella Lugosi. Oh, great! They're, they were on their way to like reform school, and the bus broke down, and they had to go up into a castle. I mean, it's just it's absolutely cornball. But they were. But, it was a bit like what Three Stooges or Little Rascals, or and they're all in the same vein. Very. Laurel- three, well, as a matter of fact, one of the Three Stooges did star in a, a lot of them, and so it's not. It was very unsophisticated slapstick comedy. But and, they were not a gang running around and like fighting the dead rabbits. No, 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 no. But they all talk like this, mm. and I'm going to pop you. I mean, like that was the sort of wise guy. Exactly. I would have liked to have heard that that slang and that tone of voice compared to what the Bahoys were. Okay, I think we have covered the Bowery Boys, except for two of them. What, Little Eddie? Um, <laughs> I believe that would be a. Uh, Tom Myers and Greg Young. Ah, yes, us. Why don't you give a, give us a give us a, a one minute bio of Greg? Okay, well, <laughs> Greg Young comes from Springfield, Missouri. Yes. Uh, let's see. You moved to New York City. Well, you studied journalism at the at the University of Columbia, Missouri. Yes. And moved to New York, I believe, in 1994 or uh, yeah, 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 December about, of 93. That's pretty much right. That's pretty much Something right. Something like that. And you moved right into downtown and started working for a major music label yes i yeah I'm, st- I'm still employed there but i'm obviously doing all lots of little things on the side meanwhile you were a theater critic i was for a while right a part-time stand-up comedian i did that for a little while <laughs> jack of all trades um, that's right and of course you're a novelist yes and hopefully how's that for your bio <laughs> thank you that's this is not really rehearsed great. by the way no seriously i mean yeah so tom tom and i have known each other for um i can't even count since the, 91 tom moved here to new york city <laughs> uh, and went to columbia university and that would be 94 93 and graduated from there and then spent a lot of time in France mm-hmm. and, and traveling the world, and now currently has, has his own private business in Soho. Maybe you'd like to tell them what the business is. The business is called Eurocheapo.com. Eurocheapo editors <laughs> personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. So, anyway, yeah, yeah, so yeah I started so he, that in, so, in 2000. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's, it's been doing fantastically and, and it, it gives, them oh, forward, it gives them, affords you opportunities to travel. But what's been incredible about this journey so far is all the amazing listeners and all the feedback that we have been getting. We, and, we actually started this this summer back in June, June mm-hmm. of 2007. Um, thinking, okay, let's just start a podcast. What should it be about? Uh, why don't we make it about all those funny little things in New York, you know, that you never know the backstory for. <laughs> yeah, you and, know, like that. Yeah, exactly. Just little tiny things. We didn't think we were going to get into Right, like, like who's the voice on the number six uptown train saying, <laughs> stand clear of the closing doors? Oh, you know, like that. The, you're the voice of that, it sounds like. <laughs> But anyway, but things so, like that. But it, but then we realized to tell that story, you had to actually go back to New Amsterdam, Peter <laughs> Stuyvesant, Robert Moses. But now at episode twenty-five, we realized that the Bowery Boys really is a work in progress, and that we really do rely on our listeners to tell us what they like, what they don't like, what they'd like to hear. As you all know, another element of this podcast is our website, which you can visit Bowery Boys podcast.com where we post you know pretty much every day some some 
the some little minutia of New York City. So check it out every day, and we'll also have this podcast up on there as well with some pictures. And our email addresses are there as well. That's BoweryBoysPodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we will have another exciting episode. Probably not as a self as indul- self-indulgent, but that's quite okay. <laughs> N- uh, next week, so uh, have a great New York week, whether you live here or not. See you next week. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. 